As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Hello friends, I'm Rick Warren and welcome to Spurgeon's Sermons. This is the official podcast brought to you by Premier and Spurgeon's College. You know, the teachings of Charles Spurgeon have had a personal impact on my life in a profound way and I'm confident they'll do the same for you. So get ready to be challenged, equipped and guided by Charles Spurgeon who is universally regarded as the greatest English preacher in the history of the church silver sockets or redemption the foundation the sermon by charles spurgeon part two and the lord spake unto moses saying when thou takest the sum of the children of israel after their number then shall they give every man a ransom for his soul unto the lord when thou numberest them that there be no plague among them when thou numberest them this they shall give every one that passeth among them that are numbered half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is twenty geras. And half shekel shall be the offering of the Lord. Every one that passeth among them that are numbered from twenty years old and above shall give an offering unto the Lord. The rich shall not give more and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel when they give an offering unto the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. And thou shalt take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, that it may be a memorial unto the children of Israel before the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. Exodus chapter 30 Verses 11 to 16. A becker for every man, that is, half a shekel, after the shekel of the sanctuary, for everyone that went to be numbered, from twenty years old and upward, for six hundred and three thousand and five hundred and fifty men. And of the hundred talents of silver were cast the sockets of the sanctuary, and the sockets of the veil an hundred sockets of the hundred talents, a talent for a socket. Exodus chapter 38, verses 26 to 27. Now we turn to the second of our texts, and there we learn a very remarkable fact. In the 38th chapter, verse 25, we find that this mass of silver which was paid whereby 603,550 men were redeemed, each one paying his half shekel, came to a great weight of silver. It must have weighed something over four tons. And this 
was dedicated to the use of the tabernacle. The special application of the precious metal was to make sockets into which the boards which made the walls of the tabernacle should be placed. The mass of silver made up 100 talents, and these upheld the 50 boards of the holy place. They were in the wilderness, constantly moving and continually shifting the tabernacle. Now, they might have dug out a foundation in the sand, or on coming to a piece of rock where they could not dig, they might have cut out foundations with great toil. But the Lord appointed that they should carry the foundation of the tabernacle with them. A talent of silver, weighing, I suppose, close upon 100 pounds, was either formed into the shape of a wedge, so as to be driven into the soil, or else made into a solid square plate to lie upon it. In the wedge or plate were made mortises, into which the tenons of the boards could be readily fitted. These plates of silver fitted the one into the other, tenon and mortise-wise, and thus they made a compact parallelogram strengthened at the corners with double plates and formed one foundation, movable when taken to pieces, yet very secure as a whole. This foundation was made of the redemption money. See the instructive emblem. The foundation of the worship of Israel was redemption. The dwelling place of the Lord their God was founded on atonement. All the boards of incorruptible wood and precious gold stood upon the redemption price, and the curtains of fine linen and the veil of matchless workmanship and the whole structure rested on nothing else but the solid mass of silver which had been paid as the redemption money of the people. There was only one exception, and that was at the door, where was the entrance to the holy place. There, the pillars were set upon sockets of brass. Perhaps because, as there was much going in and out of the priests, it was not meet that they should tread upon the token of redemption. The blood of the paschal lamb, when Israel came out of Egypt, was sprinkled on the lintel and on the two side posts. But out of reverence to that blood, it was not to be sprinkled on the threshold. Everything was done to show that atonement is to be the precious foundation of all holy things and to prevent a slighting or disregard of it. Woe! unto that man of whom it shall ever be said, He hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing. I do not for a moment bring before you the type of the text as a proof of doctrine, but I intend to use it simply as an illustration. It seems to me to be a very striking, full and suggestive emblem, setting forth most clearly certain precious truths. I feel I am quite safe in using this illustration, because it is one among a group of acknowledged types, and could not have been given without reason.
I do not see why they could not have made the foundation sockets of iron, or why they could not have been content with tent pins and cords, as in other cases of tent building. I see no reason in the necessity of the case why they must be sockets of silver. There must have been another reason. Why was that particular silver prescribed? Why must the redemption money be used and nothing else? Surely there is teaching here if we will but see it. Moreover, this does not stand alone. For when the tabernacle was succeeded by the temple, redemption was still conspicuous in the foundation. What was the foundation of the temple? It was the rock of Mount Moriah. And what was the hill of Moriah? But the place where redemption and atonement had been set forth. It was there that Abraham drew the knife to slay Isaac, a fair picture of the father offering up his son. It was there the ram was caught in the thicket and was killed instead of Isaac, a fit emblem of the substitute accepted instead of man. Later still, it was on Mount Moriah that the angel, when David attempted to number the people without redemption money, stood with his sword drawn. There David offered sacrifices and burnt offerings. The offering was accepted, and the angel sheathed his sword. Another picture of that power of redemption, by which mercy rejoices against judgment. And there, the Lord uttered the memorable sentence, It is enough, stay now thine hand. This enough is the crown of redemption. Even as the great sacrifice himself said, It is finished. So does the great acceptor of the sacrifice say, Enough. What a place of redemption was the hill of Zion. Now, if the temple was built on a mount which must have been specially selected because there the types of redemption were most plentiful, I feel that without an apology, I may boldly take this first fact that the building of the tabernacle in the wilderness was based and grounded upon redemption money and use it for our instruction. With this much of preface, we will now fall to and feed upon the spiritual meal which is set before us. Oh, for grace to feast upon the heavenly bread that we may grow thereby, Spirit of the living God, be pleased to help us in this matter. First, I want you to view this illustration as teaching us something about God in relation to humanity. The tent in the wilderness was typical of God's coming down to humanity to hold commune with them. The fiery, cloudy pillar visible outside and the bright light of the Shekinah visible to him who was called to enter once a year into the innermost sanctuary, shining over the mercy seat. These were the tokens of the special presence of the deity in the centre of the camp of Israel. The Lord seems to teach us, in relation to his dealing with men and women, 
that he will meet them in the way of grace only on the footing of redemption. He addresses love and grace within his holy shrine, but the basis of that shrine must be atonement. Rest assured, dear friends, that there is no meeting with God on our part except through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. I am of Luther's mind when he said, I will have nothing to do with an absolute God. God out of Christ is a terror to us. Even in Christ, remember, he is a consuming fire. But what he must be out of Christ may none of us ever know. Till God in human flesh I see, my thoughts no comfort find. The holy, just and sacred three are terrors to my mind. But if Emmanuel's face appear, my hope, my joy begins. His name forbids my slavish fear. His grace removes my sins. You must not attempt to have audience with God at first upon the footing of election. It is presumptuous to attempt to come to the electing Father except through the atoning Son. No man, saith Christ, cometh to the Father but by me. Never attempt to speak with God on the footing of your own sanctification, for very soon you will come to bringing your legal righteousness before him, and that will provoke him. Always enter the holy place with the thought, I know that my Redeemer lives. Not without blood, recollect that. Into the holy place went the high priest once every year, not without blood. There can be no coming of God to man on terms of peace except through the one great sacrifice. That must be the foundation of it all. It is not only God's coming to us, but God's abiding with us that is upon the same foundation. For the tabernacle was, so to speak, the house of God, the place where God especially dwelt among his people, as he said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. But he never dwelt among them in anything but in a tent that was based upon the silver of the redemption money. And you, dear friend, if you have ever walked with God, can only maintain your fellowship by resting where you did at first, as a poor sinner redeemed by your Saviour. They have asked me to rise sometimes to a higher platform and come to God as a sanctified person. Yes, but a rock, though it may be lower than the little wooden stage which some build upon it, is safer to stand upon. And I do believe that those who walk with God according to their attainments and imaginary perfections have climbed up to a rotten stage which will fall under them before long. I know no mode of standing before God today, but that which I had at first. I am unworthy still in myself, 
but accepted in the Beloved, guilty in myself, and lost and ruined, but still received, blessed and loved because of the person and work of Christ. The Lord cannot dwell with you, my dear friend. You will soon have broken fellowship and be in the dark if you attempt to walk with him because you feel sanctified or because you have been active in his service or because you know much or because you are an experienced believer. No, no, no. The Lord will only abide with us in that tabernacle whose every board is resting upon the silver foundation of redemption by his own dear son. Thank you for listening, friends. This podcast was brought to you by Premier in association with Spurgeon's College. For more Christian podcasts, sermons, and music, head back to the website premier.plus and sign in for free.